Hello and welcome to His and Hers Movie Podcast, episode number five, Gretel and Hansel. I am JP, podcasting out of southwestern Pennsylvania, and joining me, as always, is the one and only Carly, also podcasting out of southwestern Pennsylvania. What's up, Carly? Welcome back to the show. You never let me be the one to tell them where I'm podcasting from. Where are you podcasting from? Just outside of southwestern, wait, south, where where we live? Wait, south, yeah, southwestern Pennsylvania, never mind. That is exactly why I don't (laughs) let you do it. (laughs) I choked, but, um, besides that, uh, I'm doing alright today, you know, just chilling, was eating a chicken wang, now I'm recording, what are you up to? Well, I just got home from work. I know that you and I uh, got off around the same time today, so I figured today is as good of day as any to record his and her movie podcast, Double HMP, uh, here on this lovely Tuesday. And I say lovely because it's raining, because I think rain is lovely. And I would disagree, but, uh, yeah, whatever floats your boat, I mean, it is, tends to be a good night for recording good old Tuesdays, um. You hate recording on twos. I usually hate it because, since it is a good night for recording, I tentatively schedule my other podcasts to record on Tuesdays, so it's like, there's two times out of the month where I cannot really record on Tuesday, and it is on those days when you're always adamant on recording. On Tuesday. But other than that, I'm usually good. I see. On Tuesday. I see. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, um, it was very nice yesterday. It was beautiful. I, I enjoyed being outside a little bit for January or February now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like looking forward to, I, I, it was like my first taste of spring, you know, even though I don't know, when does spring start? March? Yeah, like the, end of March. Oh, wow. Still, still got a while to go, but like, it was like a taste of like, wow, I totally love when this starts to happen. So hopefully it's been a very, very light winter here in good old, just outside of Southwestern. Wait, where do we live? (laughs) Well, I don't think we live just out. I don't think that makes sense. That's why I was laughing when you said it. Oh, you're making. I thought you had said it before. No. I'm I'm picturing Watson. He's always like, I'm just outside of Olympia, Seattle or Washington. something, or Olympia. Yeah, but um, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm getting people are complaining about winter as if it's like the worst thing ever. Still, and I'm just like, do you not remember like the past three winters when it was negative seven degrees for a solid month, like every single day and it snowed so bad that you were almost wrecking and dying every day. That's not happening this winter. So I have not, I've been trying to refrain from complaining at all because I'm hoping that this is it. This is like as bad as it gets and it's just going to become spring and we're going to be good this year. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, I think that I'm looking forward to leaving the movie theater and not running back to the car cause it's cold and then getting yeah, in the I car, which that. it's also cold. <laughs> I do. I wish I had an automatic starter on my car. That's one thing I would like to have, but I do not. But yeah, that's uh, that's the one struggle that we do go through every winter, and I do hate that very much. So 
Yeah, that's like we were talking to Watson, and it's like barely ever like this type of cold there um, where he lives, which is funny because you brought up him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to like the drive in and stuff like that. I'm, I'm like, all it because I'm one of those people that get into a seasonal depression. Um, mm. I like the winter. I really do. I, I like the winter. I like cold, but I get burnt out on it very quick. So, um, I like it when it's happening and I like it when I don't have to work, but whenever I have to work, I get really, really bummed out and just walking outside in a t-shirt and not freezing the other day, just it like instantly brought like a ray of sunshine into my life. It was just like, wow, like this is like, I forgot that the world doesn't suck all the time. <laughs> and uh, yeah. it definitely, I, I'm like, what, like, seriously, I'm one of those people where like just a nice day in the middle of like winter can like totally change my whole like dynamic and, and vibe and everything. Yeah. I kind of miss working, you know, at the hotel because Sometimes I would have to go outside every once in a while to like clean up the grounds or take garbage out or something. And I do remember it was just a nice change when you would go from having to put on three coats to go outside to be able to walk out. And it's so sunny out that you actually want to be out there. So I kind of miss that because, you know, at my job now, I have a giant window next to me, though. So that gets depressing because I just look out there and it's you could see all the weather changes like it'll be hailing one moment or, you know, the power will flicker and it's just very, very gloomy and dark. But uh, I haven't really had much of the depression this year because it's been such a light winter. I will say that I'm grateful for that. I, I will say like there was one day probably like three weeks ago it was like the first time it snowed pretty significantly and it was also rainy out and like icy out I, I like instantly felt down because it was also a Saturday and I was cooped up in the house but other than that I felt all right and like I said I hope that this is you know kind of the end of it and it's gonna start getting nice See, I'm I'm a little bit weird because um I actually like when it's gloomy and, and rainy and depressing out it actually makes me like not depressed, which is weird. I'm I'm kind of backwards with that, you know. So I I think that like, like when I first seen the Evil Dead remake, I like loved the look of it. I was like, oh, dude, look how like decaying and gross, rainy, smelly leaves everywhere, and this musty. I don't know, like that just some something about that. I guess that's why I'm a horror fan in a weird way. So I'm uh, not somebody who is. Like I, the sun and, and nice, beautiful summer day can also make me happy. But I'm just saying like, I like, I like a balance, I guess, because I actually like today when it was all like gross out and like nice and, and like, it wasn't overly cold, but it, it was like rainy and stuff. Like I kind of like it. Uh, it makes me feel, I don't know. It, it just sets an atmosphere to me. Yeah. For me, I don't mind it only when I'm in my house and typically when it's late at night I don't mind when it's rainy out and I don't have anywhere to go because I'm like oh this is nice I'm cooped up in the house and I can just watch some movies without feeling guilty because I do feel guilty I'm one of those people that feels guilty if it's nice out and I don't do anything the entire day so you know when it's gloomy out and preferably in the evening I don't mind it so much but uh during the day I just 
can't stand it. I hate not being able to like comfortably walk outside or, you know, be worried about the weather and just, like I said, seeing it outside the window at work. I can't stand any of that. So mm. you and I definitely differ with that, <laughs> but, um, it is what it is. Yeah. Life, I'm also weather. somebody who likes depressing movies while you really <laughs> typically don't, but like I do. Yeah. They hinder my moods, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, uh, I've always wanted to like move somewhere where it's nice all the time, but then at the same time, I always think that would probably get depressing after a while too if it was just sunshine all the time and you didn't remember what snow looked like or felt like. Or yeah, I feel like the people that bad. actually live there though are like, no, you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true. Yeah, um, very true. Who knows? So uh, let's see. Uh, this week, what did I do this week? Um, so. It was kind of a it was kind of a basic week for me. I didn't do anything too interesting. Um I know that we were supposed to record um 22 shots on Friday and uh moods ended up getting caught up so we didn't and then I ended up getting uh I was like kind of beat and tired and then Jeremy was also something. It it just like worked out to where like none of us particularly were able to or felt like recording. So we took a week off um and which did kind of suck because it pushed our decade show back again at this point. I don't even know if we're going to do it. Um and we're doing the um June Bach you or something i forget the director's name he's the one that did parasite but we're doing three of his films that aren't parasite why um, are you not doing the decade show this week uh because we have a special guest on the big Choi or whatever show it is and oh. he actually can't you know it's his specific day yeah so yeah, we're going to have to do that one next, which is fine because I'm really excited to have this person on the show. They've never been on the show before. I don't even think they've been on a podcast before. So, Ooh. um, but it's somebody that's really cool. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's been, you know, a pretty basic week too. I wasn't, um, over... I wasn't done. Oh. But... oh, well you said it was pretty basic. And... <laughs> um, I just thought you were no, I was, I was going to just say that, um, so I, one thing that I did this week was I slept. So yesterday oh, wow. I got home. We were actually possibly going to record yesterday, but, um, I got, my cousin asked me to help her with her taxes. Um, so I went and did that. And then I actually came home through on the host, which is one of the Bach Choi movies with June. I don't know his name. Damn it. I don't know either. So don't. Um, but <laughs> I started, up. I started, um, watching that and it's actually really good. Um, it's a good movie. It's two hours long and it's like, it's almost like almost sort of like a kaiju ish movie, but not, it's like more of a creature feature. Mm -hmm. Um, it is a giant monster, but I don't, I, I don't know if it grows throughout the movie or what, but it, it's like, there's these like weird beats of comedy and stuff, but I, I'm only like. 45 minutes into it so i'm gonna finish that up after we record um i keep starting movies and then not finishing them like i started amityville the new generation last mm -hmm. week i mentioned that and i never yeah. finished it um i started a movie called we which i got in the mail and never finished it um, I think I started an 85 move and never finished it. So I got to get back to finishing these movies. I've just been so like dead feeling after work that, I'd, uh, my, cause like I've been 
doing like more physical work lately. Yeah. So I've just been uh, like tired is all hell. Like I haven't even been to the gym in like a, over a week. Cause I'm so well, at tired. least you're doing physical work. <laughs> yeah, I, I have. Um, and so, uh, a couple things that I also did this, I got in, um, a couple of screeners, which I, I haven't got screeners forever. So I want to watch those. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them, one of them's called we, and we is, uh, maybe from, is it, I can't remember the Netherlands. I can't remember where it's from, but it's, uh, supposedly in the vein of Harmony Coraline and, uh, Larry Clark. So like kids mm-hmm. and cool. yeah, it's called we, and it's, it looks pretty cool. But I'm going to have to check that out. Not horror, but, you know, I love, love, love. Like, those of you who don't know me, who's like might be a little newer um, listener, because I know we have a f- couple, actually. Uh, I'm a huge fan of, like, basically movies that have no protagonist and are, like, kind of like these movies where, like, it's a more realistic look at like teenagers in particular, but like young adults too, maybe even children, um, you know, where they're like smoking weed and doing drugs and drinking beer and having sex and stuff like that. But like, you know, done in a realistic way. Um, I call them like doom generation films or disturbed youth, youth film usually. Uh, but like kids, kidulthood, um, you know, anything Larry Clark's done pretty much even like mid nineties, you know, fit the, fit the bill kind of, um, I really like those movies. So this one is called something similar to that. So I'm definitely going to watch it and give it a review because I like stuff like that. Uh, and then I actually got, um, another screener in from, uh, well go USA. They actually sent me three copies. So I'm going to give two copies away on 22 shots. Um, and it is a, it is Takashi Miike's new film, um, First Love. I think it's called. It's I think it's another Yakuza movie, but uh, Miike's is good stuff. So uh, definitely going to check that out uh, at some point. And then I also bought. I can't believe I bought this, but um, Arrow put out a like super deluxe edition of The Hills Have Eyes Part Two the Wesley Craven, not so classic. Uh, and I had a gift card, uh, and I bought it. I think I paid like eight bucks for it. Uh, Mm. not counting the gift card. It was $28, but I had a, I had a gift card or I had a $25 gift card. So I paid like $3 for it, but I never, ever, ever buy stuff for that expensive, but it was just like, I don't know. For some reason, I just thought that it was going to go out of, print or something because it's limited and i have the original hills have eyes arrow release and i was just like man i it looks so cool but it looks like so similar to that release that it's like you almost need both of them mm-hmm. and i'm gonna actually pop that in it, it's it, i thought it was an 85 move but it's i think technically 84 which just blows my mind that he put out that garbage the same year as elm street oh yeah yeah that's crazy i, I never see i've never seen it that one. I have an old uh, Kino Lober um, Blu-ray of it. The it was actually it's so weird. That movie was one of like Craven's first 
films on Blu-ray, like besides like Scream and stuff. Like when they were first starting to release Blu-rays, like that that one that one got an early. I picked that up. That was one of the first Blu-rays I got. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's it's not a good movie, but I'm hoping because I've seen I think I've seen it twice. I'm hoping that like with some time and like separation from from it, it I might enjoy it more because I have heard like it's like so bad it's good type thing. It, the problem is with Hills Have Eyes too. It's not that it's it's that it's a sequel. That's the problem. Because if it was just like a random movie, it probably wouldn't be that bad. But like, it's a direct sequel to Hills Have Eyes. Um, yeah. But the only characters that return is Michael Berryman, which we know he's dead in the first film, pretty much. <laughs> and it just feels like it almost feels like a a rip off of Hills Have Eyes. Um. It's it's just and there's a lot of flashbacks, which is annoying. You know, I hate when movies do that. So flashbacks yeah. to the first movie. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, I don't know. I, I'm I'm actually super interested to check out the Arrow. Um, I'm a huge Wes Craven fan. Um, I love I love him as a director. I've seen almost all of his films, uh, except for the porn one that he did under Robert Richard Snake or something was his name, <laughs> uh, which isn't even a hundred percent proven that it is his film, but it's like highly like a lot of people like it's even in his imdb yeah um but yeah it's hills have eyes too i got that sexy blu-ray um box set from arrow so uh i still want to get i I have one more gift card i'm thinking about getting the my bloody valentine release but again it's like 28 bucks and it just like kills me to spend that much money on it on a single blu-ray Cause I, I'm from the school where like a brand new Scream Factory costs twenty bucks. I've been out of the game with Scream Factory so long; they all cost like twenty eight, thirty two. Like it's insane. Yeah. For their collector's editions, and even some of their other titles are so expensive. And uh, I'm just like, I miss the day. Like I ne- I used to think twenty two dollars was expensive. Like I, I would love to go back to those days with Scream Factory because I used to buy like every Scream Factory, and they were always like twenty or under. But um, there's so many Scream Factories out there. I I want really bad, and I just they're so expensive. But um, yeah, I, I'm trying to be more, as you guys know, productive in watching the stuff that I get. So I'm trying to like the stuff that I'm picking up, which I'm not picking up a whole lot right now because I'm trying to save money. But like the stuff that I am getting, I'm trying to watch it as it comes in instead of like you know, running into the problem where I'd never watch it. And then I just build my build, 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 build my collection. You know, I've, uh, you guys know, I have hundreds and hundreds of DVDs and Blu-rays that are unopened, unwatched, but I have been doing a good job. I took a break this week, as you guys will hear when we talk about the stuff we watched this week. But, um, I have been doing a pretty good job of watching titles. You know what I mean? So that makes me pretty happy. Uh, yeah, so that's that's kind of my week in a nutshell. How about you? Um, yeah, I I didn't do too much this week as per usual. Um, over the weekend I did uh, you know, do some more DoorDash stuff just to make some extra money and uh that went pretty well. I did that on Friday nights and uh Saturday nights and um Saturday I also went and hung out 
with my mom. It's kind of funny when you don't live with, like, I don't live with my mom anymore, and we hadn't seen each other for, like, a month, so I was, I said, hey, we should hang out. It was, like, asking a friend, an old friend to hang out or something, so I got together with her, went over to my grandpaps, and then visited my Aunt Sharon as well, so that was, that was nice. We caught up and, you know, discussed uh, various things and whatnot, but... Other than that, uh, haven't been doing a whole lot. Watched a few things, not a ton of things. Um, you know, it's funny you said, like, you know, you've been trying to watch your stuff so the stack's not as crazy. My stack, I had gotten down pretty significantly uh, last year, like around October and November, because I was watching stuff for 31 Days of Horror and I wasn't buying anything. And then I kind of went crazy and started buying more things in December and January and got all the stuff for Christmas. So now I have a ton of stuff on my watch stack that I need to get to. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. I'm going to slow down on buying again here because it's kind of ridiculous. And I'm actually running out of shelf, not quite, but like, I noticed like my shelf is actually getting pretty filled up again, so I'm trying to chill out a bit. So I just sent you a picture. Um, you can look at it. That is from like my last update of unwatched stuff. Just that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then check this out. So I'll send you I'll send you another picture. Alright. The stack on the top left. Is a um. Why is this not working? I like your Friday. How you put up your Friday posters there? Yeah, that's pretty cool, huh? Yeah, pretty cool. So the stack on the top left here is stuff that's not updated. So the top, just the top left, not the one on the ones oh, okay. on the right, are the ones I've been watching. Jeez. But yeah. So um. Oh, and then this stack right here. <laughs> Show and tell. This stack is the ones that I just got from our last episode where the caching culture shut down. Very good quality pick. Yeah, yeah. I know you got you got a lot of And then you, uh, your room gives me anxiety. There's yeah, just so yeah. much going on. So and then um just you know, I'm not gonna keep taking pictures, but like <laughs> this right here, the, these two shelf slots, the top two there. Uh -huh. Those are all the DVDs that I have unwatched, the top two shelves. Oh, my God. Dude, that's crazy. Yeah. So, and then I have a whole other shelf outside that is Blu-rays and DVDs, um, probably close to 100 that, uh, not outside, outside, but outside this room that's on this <laughs> yeah. little shelf that I bought that uh, is, like, from, like, two updates ago that I just stuffed out there. And then uh -huh. I have a whole section like underneath that shelf that ha is like another maybe 50 or 60 that is unwatched. And then that's – I haven't even touched the Blu-rays unwatched, which I can tell you now, there's m way more than the DVDs. Yeah. So that's insane, dude. This is like – I'm hoping because we do this show weekly, by the end of the year we have 52 episodes and I have like – Oh, like well over 52 watch stuff. Like I want like triple that almost now. Yeah. But, um, so I don't even know how we got there, but <laughs> continue. Um, honestly, that was about it for me. I didn't really have much, 
much else going on um, this past week. Life is going to get funner like in the next few months because we have uh, some conventions and whatnot that we plan on going to. But uh, I've been pretty much just taking it easy. I've been kind of tired as well. Not to your, I, I know what you, I know that struggle of falling asleep halfway through a movie and then you know not wanting to go back to it because I, I went through a phase last year for some reason where I was just so tired at night and I would, I kind of wish I felt that way again. Cause now I'm not tired at all. It's the exact opposite and I can't sleep at night, but I would just fall asleep to every movie I would put in. And I hate like trying to watch a movie from the middle on. I feel like I have to restart it the next day. Cause I feel like I'm not invested <laughs> anymore. So I hate trying to do that. It's funny. Cause most of my casual watching is only that like, I'll yeah. start a movie, like watch like 25, 30 minutes of it. Stop. Watch, like the, I, I know that's not a good way to watch movies. I try to only do it to stuff that I've seen before, but mm-hmm. I've been hella doing that a lot. Um, anyway, so, uh, that was your week. That was my week. Um, this next week we're actually going to be doing, uh, we're going to be going tomorrow actually. So you'll hear about it in our next episode to see a screening of my bloody Valentine 1981, a film that I honestly thought I might never see in the theater. Um, I would like to do a bucket list top 10 for us mm-hmm. in the future. Cause we did our drive-in experience. I actually wanted to add it to that episode, but I, after like realizing that that thing was like three hours, I was like, <laughs> yeah, no, let's not do that. But I want to do a bucket list of, things we want to see in the theater like like movies you know what i mean in the theater yeah. drive-in um but my bloody valentine may not have been on the top 10 bucket list but i can guarantee it was like up there like maybe top 20 because i really 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 have grown to love my bloody valentine it was never one that i grew up with it was a film that i never really um, associate, I, I, even when I first seen it, I was like, oh, that was uh okay slasher, but like, no, it's not like Friday the 13th or anything. Um, and then me and moods did it on the podcast and I still liked it a lot and I rated it high, but I didn't think that it was like overly, like, I didn't like it. Like he did. He gave it like a 9.5 or a 10 or something. Uh, and then I, the last time I watched it, I was like, wow. It's same thing happened with sleepaway camp for me. Where, like, every time I watched it, I felt stronger and stronger about it. And now Sleepaway Camp's, like, in my, like, top 30 favorite horror films ever. Mm-hmm. My Bloody Valentine is, like, one of my favorite slashers. I would probably say that out of, like, the non-sequelized slashers, um, it's probably my number one. Even higher than Maniac. Jeez. Yeah, I don't... Uh, I'm not gonna lie. Like, I'm kind of in that boat right now where I think it's uh, a decent slasher, but it's not one of my favorites. And I'm kind of hoping seeing it on the big screen will change my opinion a bit because that has happened to me a few times with some of these movies where you go see it in the theater and you just love it so much more. That happened... Jaws is probably the biggest example where I never thought I liked that movie as much, but now it's become one of my favorites just seeing it in the theater as well as The Thing, of course. So, uh... Kind of hoping that for this one. I remember seeing it when I was a kid and thinking it was kind of stupid and then seeing it later in life and still, you know, thinking it was better. But I thought it was like super cheesy, which is weird because, you know, I like movies like Sleepaway Camp. I love them. So Mm -hmm. it's weird for me to feel that way. But that was kind of my thing. I always thought like it's an okay slasher. It's a little too cheesy, though, or something like that for me. 
Yeah, I, I think you're going to definitely, your opinion's definitely going to change on this watch. Um, I'll say this too, that uh, with uh, My Bloody Valentine, it's it's a movie that you might think is cheesy at first, but like it really isn't as cheesy as you think once you've seen it a few times because it, it really is like super it's a super well done slasher it really is especially if you see the uncut version which i don't know if you've ever seen um which i doubt this version will be the uncut version because i don't think they're allowed to show that mm-hmm. um without because it's listed as r on the ticket i've noticed the the when you buy the tickets. So I don't think they could show the uncut version, but scream factory's new release has the uncut version. Um, and the old blu-ray that I have has the uncut version. So, um, those might be future gifts for you. Um, that and the Hills have eyes that I mentioned earlier. Because <laughs> I do, I do sort of toss, not toss, but I do like hand me downs to you because of like when I upgrade something. But one thing yeah. I was going to say about you is you're weird because you saw movie like you haven't seen a ton of like classic horror movies, but you've seen shit that I've never seen when I was a kid, like My Bloody Valentine and like Sleepaway Camp. Like I never, I never even heard of Sleepaway Camp when I was growing up, but like you somehow did, but you hadn't seen like Day of the Dead it, or The Thing. The funny, the thing, the thing about Sleepaway Camp is my uh, mom's friend was like super into horror movies and just pop culture stuff. He always went to like the you know, still city con. He just, he liked everything like cinema pretty much. And just, he liked collecting figures and just all this, you know, unnecessary items. And, uh, he would always give me cool stuff. And, uh, one of the things that he just like kind of passed down happened to be that, uh, sleep away camp box set. It wasn't the super rare one with the, you know, red cross on it, but it was, you know, one of those box sets. Did it have uh, the fourth disc in it? Yeah, it does. Yes. Okay, because there was three versions of that box set. There was the Red Cross, which mm. is the rarest, and then there was the non-Red car- Cross that had the fourth disc, and then there was the non-Red Cross that didn't have the fourth disc. I have the non-Red Cross that has the fourth disc, mm. but so you do too, which is cool. You were actually pretty lucky with that box set because that was – I don't know if you know, but that, that box set was like kind of a – like you couldn't like you normally wouldn't just find that at like Walmart or something, you know what I yeah. mean? So like how like that's you got your first piece of like actual co- collection like pretty early on because like mm-hmm. I, I like that was a, I don't know if you know this but that was an old school Anchor Bay. Oh yes, of course. No, I remember you actually told me you're talking about that box set to me once, just like talking about it and it, a light bulb went off i was like oh my god i have that box set and i went home and i i couldn't find it anywhere and then i finally did i forget i think it was like behind a bunch of vhs tapes or something and i was like yay but another thing that um uh, my mom's friend had given me which i don't have anymore and i which i wish i did was actually that uh giant dvd set of the nightmare on elm streets with freddie <laughs> like that you always joke around when we see them out in public and you're like, well, we can make a whole box set. Yeah. I actually, that, I don't know if you know this, I'm sure I've said it on 22 shots, so you probably do, but that might be my favorite piece of my collection. That yeah, was old like, crappy snapper case box set. Uh-huh. I mean, it's cool. I think, didn't they even do that with the VHS set too? Yeah. They like had yeah, a VHS it was in like, like his arms all stretched out and stuff, I think, but 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was, I loved that Elm Street set when I, I got it for like really early in my collection, like super early. And it was one of the things that I watched like all the time. Like I, I've put some miles on that set. Yeah, I, I was pretty bummed that I could I don't know if my mom gave it back to him or sold it or what, but I could not find that. But, um, yeah, when I was a kid, I pretty much – my mom liked slasher movies mainly, and I think she thought that they were not as – yeah, like, you know, because especially 80 slashers, they're not – besides nudity mainly and gore, there's not too much upsetting stuff going on them in them. They're just silly, so that's kind of what I – grew up watching for the most part and I would see here and there some cool ones like Sleepaway Camp or My Bloody Valentine but I mainly rewatch the same old stuff over and over again so I didn't expand too much you know that reminds me like like I don't I don't have a problem with these people per se like I don't think like oh you don't know how to raise your kids or something like that but I don't trust people who are so overprotective about movies with their their kid like i was listening to a podcast today and like they were going to see um black christmas which is pg-13 this is an older podcast Mm -hmm. and they said that they they wouldn't take their kid to that because somebody asked oh are you gonna take your kid and he's like oh no 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 (laughs) um and i'm just like dude i'm like like okay i get i get that you're trying to be a responsible parent and shit but like did you not watch this stuff when you were a kid Mm mm-hmm like I'm talking about to the parents, like why, why is it today that everybody's so scared to show their kids horror movies? It's like, I don't know. I never grew up like that. So it just always weirds me out. I'm like, what? Like, it I understand like, yeah, you don't want to sound like saw or something like that. But yeah. Like, like some of these like eighties slashers and stuff. I'm like, dude, they're harmless. Like nothing's going to happen to your kid. They might get scared, which is a good thing. They should get scared because that's the point. And because like, what it's good to be scared like you like it teaches you about death and fear and it and it strengthens you for later in life whenever you you know stuff happens and you get scared it teaches you not to it it actually teaches you precaution because you know what death is and stuff but um i just i always like i just always find it weird i don't know if there's some parents listening like, why is it that you do or don't show your kid? You just don't, you think they like can't handle it or something like, but what does that even mean? Can't handle it. Like what? They're going to be scared. They're going to, they're going to be, get, get a nightmare or two. Is that really so bad? Yeah. It's like when I remember when I was probably in first grade, I showed my uh, childhood and still one of my friends, uh, Brienne, I showed her, she was sleeping over. And it was Halloween H2O, because for whatever reason, that was one of the ones I used to rewatch over and over again. And, um, you know, my mom was fine with it. But then she, uh, Brienne was pretty much terrified and, like, kept saying she was having nightmares and stuff about it. And then my mom felt like a horrible parent for it. But, uh, you know, there are, like you said, though, all they're going to do is be scared as long as you're not showing them pure torture and mm-hmm. agony and like girl next satanic or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I would never show my kid that. But another thing, like I always see horror fans in the community who are like, Oh, my child just turned 11. I'm going to start easing them into horror now. And I think it's just kind of the mindset of a horror fan though. Cause they want their kid to be into horror where, you know, my mom wasn't like a big horror fan. She just watched a horror movie here and there. And I happened to walk in and, 
like it at the age of three. So she was like, oh, I guess this is fine. But I mean, why not ease your kid into horror at the age of like five or six? Just like, like you know, start them out younger. My, my thing is that like I, I like I get it and I don't get it. Um, mm. You're trying to be a responsible parent and stuff. But like all these same people who I hear talk about this tell stories of watching sneaking and watching like child's play at, at the like drive in or like. Um, actually that might've been Mike who told that story. I don't know if he, what, how he does with his <laughs> kids, but you yeah. know, like I hear these people like, Oh, I, I watched the exorcist or I watched this or I watched that. And like, it turned me into a horror fan like day one. And I'm just like, yeah, and you're fine. <laughs> so like, why is it that we're so overprotective of our kids these days? And maybe it is something like if I have a kid, I'll understand. But like, Mm-hmm. Even my like nieces and or yeah, like my niece like loves Chucky. She's already watched like the first like three Chucky movies. She's like four, um, and she has she has a Chucky doll. Like she loves Chucky. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, and I like grew up with horror from like birth pretty much, and I turned out completely normal, ish. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I just, I just, it just always bugs me that people are so afraid of their kids seeing horror movies. Like to me, I'm like, okay, I saw, um, cause here's, what's going to happen guys. You're, they're not like even like, and maybe you don't want your kids to be horror fans ever or whatever, but I think most people like Watson, for example, like he likes it. His son's into horror. They gives them stuff to do together and stuff like that. I think it's mm-hmm. cool. I would love my kid to be into horror too. Um, Tom from Hor- Horrors Ball, like he, his daughter is real into horror and she's like a filmmaker now and she wants to make horror films and stuff, which is super cool. Um, but what's going to happen is you hide your kids from these horror movies and then they're never going to get that magic moment where they were terrified of Freddy or terrified of the exorcist or terrified in my case of the Blair Witch Project, because by the time they see it, they're going to be old and it's not going to affect them like it did with us. So my argument is show your damn kids horror and let them get scared. They should get scared. That's what's that's part of the fun. And once you get a certain age, that goes away. Or the opposite effect where they're going to be in their 20s and they're going to be very annoying to watch horror movies with because they're like, oh, my God, this is so intense. I have a few friends like that, especially from high school who. Yeah, like I have this one. What? I was going to say not from high school, but I know people like that. Yeah, I have, like, friends from high school who were just, uh, like, they could not handle a horror movie, I guess, because they grew up watching just Disney and cartoons and stuff like that. And, you know, it's just annoying. Like, it's okay to be scared. or It's fun to be scared. Like It's, I have a- it's not only okay. It's, like, I think it's, you're supposed to. Like, yeah. being scared teaches you about being safe. Like, like I'm not going to end up, like, I've seen enough horror movies to know, like, not to do certain things, you know what I mean? Like some people don't have that fear of like, like I remember mm-hmm. I'm one of these people that like, they were never allowed to come hang out with us and stuff because like their parents were really overprotective. And then once they were, they like didn't have common sense because like they were just like, had no knowledge of like learning, like not, not to do this and not do that and like be safe. They just went buck wild. And, mm-hmm. but I think the same goes for horror. It's like, uh, like, and I've heard other things too. Like, people being like like i i know horror fans who their parents were super protective and like they didn't see a horror movie till 13 and then became a horror fan to like rebel against their parents and stuff but 
Um, I just think that it's okay, man. It's just okay for people to see some things uh, as kids. Like, and it's encouraged. I think it's better if they see them as kids. Uh, I, I would never trade me being scared. Like I cherish every one of those films that scared me as a kid, because that is when I was, had the most fun with horror, you know, was Mm -hmm. seeing Texas Chainsaw and seeing Phantasm and seeing the Blair Witch Project and seeing these, and even Elm Street at times and Leprechaun scared the heck out of me when I was a kid. But I, I cherish those moments because like, it, even like today, like when I tell you that I like Annabelle too, like, you know, it's kind of, it was scaring me. Like, that's why I love that movie so much. Cause I was like, it's so rare for that to happen now that like when it does, I just like revel in it. Yeah. It actually makes me sad when I look back on movies or I rewatch some films that used to freak me out. And they just don't hold up. They're not that good of a movie or they're just not as scary as I thought. Uh, one example was uh, a Case 39 film. I thought that was so scary when it first came out. And then I rewatched it recently and it was a little bit cringeworthy. It wasn't that great. and But I thought that was great. Um, you know, and recent, I think like Insidious, that's why I love Insidious. And uh, that stillborn movie that came out, I think that was uh, 2018. That one was on shutter and i believe it made my list or just made my list or something like that but uh that one was really creepy to me too and it scared me so i yeah i completely agree and uh i do think it's important to watch horror movies and you know it shaped my life i mean that that's what i looked forward to as a kid i loved horror as a kid even though obviously i am what you would call a novice compared to you i guess um I was kind of known as the horror person growing up. Everyone would come to me and ask me what a good horror movie would be for them to watch. And mm-hmm. uh, I feel like they usually wanted to hear something newer, though, because one time I tried to make I always tell the story, but I tried to get my group of friends together and watch the original Carrie film. And they all made fun of me for years to come because they just thought that movie was stupid. So that happened to me yeah. with Last House on the Left. Yeah. Oh God, that was, that would be a hard one to get a group to watch. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah, that is that, uh, little impromptu talk on PG 13 guidance, I guess, real life guidance. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, because I think, you know, 13, I mean, dude, they should be, they should like when I was 13, I was like well into my, like, I've seen like all all the Jasons and Freddies and everything. Like, yeah. I was start. I was getting into like Last House on the Left and stuff at that age. But <laughs> uh, I just uh, and there are the Gateway horror films too, like The Gate and Monster Squad and stuff like that, which I know a lot of people show. But I, I, you know, the best way to do it is to find the edited versions, like when they're on Fear Fest, like AMC's yeah, Fear exactly. Fest. Mm-hmm. Because then you don't have to worry. Because everybody's so damn uptight about nudity, too. Mm-hmm. I don't... I mean, I guess, like, actual sex scenes, maybe. But, like, nudity, I just... I never saw the big deal about. Um, Yeah, I watched Fear Fest. I watched that every Friday night, pretty much, on AMC when I was a kid, too. That kind of... Oh, yeah, because they used to do Fear Fest during the regular weeks, too. Yeah, it wasn't just, like... I was only like... talking about the Halloween season. But, yeah. yeah, yeah, that was great. It was like every Friday. Yeah, I, I, would, I used to do that too. I remember they would always show Tales from the Crypt episodes at the end, mm. which you never watched. 
I watched that first season once. I did not watch TV. I never watched TV shows. Well, I mean, I watched sitcoms, of course, but yeah, horror TV and just TV show series in general, I never really watched growing up. I did watch stuff like The Munsters, The Addams Family, The Twilight Zone, that type of stuff here and there. But uh, yeah, the, you know, classic things like Tales from the Crypt, I sadly did not get into. But okay. yeah, but right. uh, moral of the story is take our advice. We don't have kids, but take our parenting advice, <laughs> yeah. everybody. Um, so yeah, uh, let's see here. Um, what did you watch this week? What did I watch? I watched, um, I finally checked out the faculty. Oh, I told you to watch that. Yeah, I did list off things, gave my, and you said to watch that. Uh, I picked that up on VHS and, uh, I'd picked it up before on VHS, but I didn't (laughs) check the tape beforehand and um uh, when i popped it in it was a basically a christmas video from i believe 1994 or something of a little boy opening christmas presents with his dad on the floor it was a home video that had been for some reason thrown into the faculty cover and put into goodwill so uh but i did finally pick it up on vhs and it was the actual movie so i watched it and i really dug that one that is one that i missed out on growing up and um probably cuz it wasn't a slasher honestly like i said slashers were kind of my go to i don't even know if my mom had has seen this movie I, i'd have to ask her but um yeah i really enjoyed it it's great just 90s horror uh, great vibe to it i love all the characters it's actually a pretty funny movie too i didn't realize that there's a lot of uh, rather funny moments going on in the film that I enjoyed as well. Um, so, yeah, good one. Uh, that's one I would go back to. I gave so that what, eight out of ten. What, uh, give me a second. Don't move ahead yet because I want to talk right. about this. Um, what did you think of like the intro where it like listed off? Isn't that like super nineties but cool? Yeah, it felt like um, it felt like a com like something you would see in a comedy where it's just like uh, I forget all their names already, but um. So yeah, that, I, I did enjoy that. That movie came out in what year? Ninety eight. Yes, I believe yes. So I was seven when I seen that. I rented mm-hmm. it. I pretty much modeled myself after Zeke. <laughs> from then, <laughs> yeah. that point on, I kind of, I was kind of watching it and thinking of you, honestly, <laughs> with that. Character. Really? <laughs> yeah, I just love it. He's just like selling stuff out of his car, and the teacher's like, "You wouldn't have had to, you know, repeat." senior year if you applied yourself to that and he's he's just like not feeling it he thinks he's too cool for That's, school that was me I, I felt the same yeah. way <laughs> but, um, uh, it was funny because like i i used to love that movie growing up and I, I i just thought that it was like i just thought it was like that was what high school was gonna be like and <laughs> a lot of it was minus the alien stuff but like i thought i, I thought that like their high school was crazy but then like my high school was crazy too. <laughs> so yeah. uh, it actually uh, like kind of, you know, it was pretty cool. Like it, 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 you, it, you often see, but what, one thing that I'll say about this is like the faculty reminds me of like how you would daydream something exciting happening at your school. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know how he like grabs the paper shredder or the uh, paper cutter and like rips it off and like fucking or effing slashes the alien dude Mm -hmm. like i would picture like 
like almost like fantasize about doing something like that while I was in school. You know what I mean? Like that's the type of stuff that I would like think of. Like if there was an alien invasion, like, Oh, rip that off. You know, like, like it's just, it always reminded me of like everything exaggerated in like a, how a kid would picture this happening. Like, um, with, uh, even like the jocks and the way, like selling the drugs out of the car and stuff like that just always reminded me of like a over the top type thing, but super cool. And there are a ton of awesome people in that movie. Yeah. I didn't realize I saw like Piper Laurie was in it and it wasn't until the end credits rolled that I was like, Oh my God, that was her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's like, a ton, she looks like so even, different. even the dude from like that 70s show is in there. I know. And he looks exactly how he does. Elijah Wood. I didn't realize well, that that's was the main star. I well, no, I re- like I didn't realize he was in this film. He's not. I don't even think he's on uh, listed as one of the actors on the cover. But I looked at he's on the cover, and I thought, wow, that kid looks a lot like Elijah Wood. What a <laughs> look alike! And I started watching the movie, and I was like, wait a minute. Like even it is well, yeah, he wasn't years. famous yet. He didn't do like True. Lord of the Rings or anything yet. Yeah, I think so he they did the Good pop- Son. It's like his biggest movie at the time, or something. Yeah. I love a good son, but um, it is even like the end credits. He's listed as like the fifth one down, even though he's pretty much the main. I thought you were it. saying like I didn't realize that Elijah Wood was in the movie until the end credits, and I was like, no, what? no, I'm not that dumb. <laughs> yeah, when I saw the when the movie started right away, I was like, oh, that actually is him. But it was just funny because I looked at the cover and I thought, wow, that kid looks just like him, and I never knew he was in the film, but um. Yeah, I enjoyed it. The end credits play a song by Oasis, which is one was one of my favorite bands for a long time. So I thought that was cool. But they also, uh, that, that, it also has a good soundtrack in general. They do that remake mm-hmm. of um, Another Brick in the Wall. Yeah, yeah. Then, I I love music in '90s horror movies. It's just so well. This so this nice. was the era of like change. Like the movies were like cooler, right? Like the teenagers were cool. Like you Mm -hmm. didn't get that in like my bloody Valentine, for example, you know what I mean? They weren't unique enough. They weren't like, uh, like in the nineties, it it was all about like the cool slasher. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you also have, um, like, uh, in terms of cast, like, dude, there's like so many people in that movie. Like I remember when we reviewed it on 22 shots, we were just like, then this person, this person, you know, uh, how Jordana Brewster, um, Josh Hartnett, of course, um, Selma Hayek, dude. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was another one I was kind of shocked by. Yeah. You're right. Piper Laurie. She's the, uh, teacher. Yeah. She um, actually, yeah, she's Robert in it. Robert like... Patrick is in there. Mm-hmm. You know who else is in there, right? <laughs> he actually, it's funny. You mentioned the, um, credits. He mm-hmm. got full, like, billing on the uh, cover, Usher. <laughs> yeah. He just plays, like, yeah, the, the, the sidekick thing. Yeah, it's pretty – I love seeing stuff like that. But, yeah, I enjoyed I enjoyed the heck out of the film, and I do want to rewatch it. I always kind of told you how I would watch H2O over and over again on VHS, and this was one of the trailers, trailers. on there. Mm-hmm. And he would be like, this is the test. And I would be like, oh, my God. Yeah, because I think it's uh, it's Dimension. Yeah, and I always wanted to watch. I was always very intrigued by the film. And, like, uh, I think the school's out forever song, like, plays on that trailer, if I'm not mistaken. So I was always intrigued, but I never got around to actually watching it until now. So... 
Yeah, that, that was one not... that I wanted you to see for a while. Glad you finally got to it. All right, mm-hmm. what what next? You said you gave then, it an eight. Yeah. Um, then after that, um, I rewatched Return of the Living Dead because I've been trying to watch some '85 movies and going back and just rewatching some of the good ones again. And uh, yeah, Return of the Living Dead. This has become one of those ones that um, it's kind of becoming one of my favorites. Honestly, I actually went up a full point on it on this watch because I just think it's a very fun movie. There's really not a lot wrong with it. And this time watching it, I never realized it takes forever for the actual opening, uh, you know, thing to come up to say Return of the Living Dead. Did you ever realize that? What? Like the opening credits, like it takes, there's like so much stuff going oh, yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, because it, it waits till like the, the canisters leak mm-hmm. and start going up, and then it's like, yeah, that, yeah, that's a very bit long cold open. And I like that, and I like the music that kicks in during that part, but yeah, just a fun, fun movie. Um, the it, it's honestly perfect to me. It's a perfect movie. Yeah, that's kind. Of, I always find that. I am enjoying it more the first half and then the middle part. And then towards the end, I am not as into it. And that's kind of why I I give it a 9.5 out of 10. I'll say that. And that's like what kind of holds me back. I used to give it 8.5, but that's what holds me back from the 10 out of 10 is that I don't have what I said. Plus the ending is like so good. True. True. But the whole concept, the whole concept with the two guys, like getting pretty much dead (laughs) throughout the movie I actually think it's rather gross and disturbing at times too. So I do like that. Dude, I love their play off of each other. Mm-hmm. He's like, you yeah. better watch your tone if you like this job. He's like, like this like job. <laughs> job sucks. <laughs> but, um, He's yeah, like, that's... you better hold your tongue if you like this job. He's like, like this job. Dude, I love Tom Matthews. We, I actually might get a chance to meet him this uh, summer. Pretty excited oh, about yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, Tom Matthews, is, I don't even know what the hell I'd have him sign, because I love Return of the Living Dead, and I love Friday 13 Part 6. Isn't, um, other other dude, what's his name, who plays in Friday 5 and Return Miguel. The black guy. I think his name is Miguel, right? Okay, yeah. I didn't want us to come out and say the black guy, but I guess, isn't like, I couldn't remember. Is his name Miguel something? I think, I think so. I'm pretty sure you're correct. Yeah, he plays Spider and Demon. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I th- isn't he supposed to be at that yeah. convention as well? I want to meet that guy. He's pretty cool. Uh, but, yeah, great film. Um, then, after that, I also rewatched uh, House, also, you know, from 85, technically. Um, and that's another one that has really grown on me and become one of my favorites. Um, I think it's a lot of fun. I think there's a lot going on in it. I also think it has some pretty scary moments to it as well. It's kind of in the same, uh, you know, aspect as Return of the Living Dead for me, where it's more of a horror comedy, but at the same time, it's got some uh, scary parts to it as well. So I think it's all blended really good in that film. And I give that one 8.5 out of 10. Fun movie. And um, his name is Miguel the, Nunez. Nunez. Okay. Cool. Okay, and then so the last two things that I watched were Paranormal Activity one and two. Um, you know these movies are okay. Um, uh, I never really liked them a whole lot. 
the first time I saw them, but I wanted to kind of rewatch them. And like I said, last episode, I had bought all four on Blu-ray. So decided to pop them in and kind of have the same feeling. I don't think they're super great or they don't really hold up with the scare factor either. I did think they were a little scarier back then, but uh, now I don't uh, feel, I don't know. I couldn't get into them as much as I would like to. And they try to be, in a way, like Blair Witch Projects, and I remember the marketing was trying to be kind of like that back then, but for me, it's just, it just doesn't have the same effects with, you know, characters being in their house, and then all this stuff is going on. It's just not as uh, scary to me, so, um, you know, with both of those movies, I gave them both 7.5 out of 10, because I don't think they're horrible or anything, and I do see uh, the... They're kind of controversial anyway, but some people do really love them. So I do kind of see the love for them and see how they are scary because they they do have their moments. But at the same time, um, definitely just not my favorite. So that is what I watched. I think they're really scary. I don't. What, what, what is it that's not – like why doesn't it work? It's just not – there's – I don't know. Just Well, part two is very jump scare heavy. It's just like I'm a bunch of – I'm more talking about part one. I, I barely remember part two. Part one is just kind of boring to me. It's like they just go to bed. That's when all the stuff kind of goes down. And then I'm just not that interested. And they never, it's just these two characters the whole time. They never leave their house really. And um, I don't know, it's just not effective for me. It's just very, uh, where, like I said, comparing it to like. I don't really get like. Because, like, to me, these this movie and Blair Witch are so similar in like the types of scenes. No, because. Blair Witch is like in the woods. To me, that's the scare factor with that. Even if some people argue that they don't like Blair Witch because there's not a lot going on, they're like, oh, it's just three idiots in the woods screaming at each other. But it's the paranoia and the fact that they're in the middle of the woods and they're completely lost and pretty much screwed where the this couple is just in a house and um, there's a few noises going on here yeah, and there. They're not just like, yeah, they're in a house, but they're, they're not just in a house like there's something there with them. That's scary. I get. I don't know. I just can't. I don't. I've never. I don't know. It's just not for me. I guess. Hmm. I don't know. I. I think that like, it's always weird because I always think that those two are just so similar in scares, like um because it's not what you really see that much. It's like the, the build up to it, and like what I remember the first time I saw Paranormal Activity and like those footprints in the powder. I was just like, whoa. That's so scary. Um, I it haven't will. seen it since it came out, but I do remember it being pretty scary. I don't know. It might be the ghostly aspect as well, where I think witch, I think witch stuff is a lot scarier. I I really dig witches, so for me, Blair Witch was terrifying in that aspect, where ghostly things are just uh, I don't know. Yeah, I guess. But the the argument that I would play with Devil's Advocate with that is that. Like the Blair Witch isn't really about a witch. It's basically the same thing. You know what I mean? Like just because they say it's a witch, like what? There's nothing separating the scares to be witch-like. You get what I'm saying? I mean, yeah, the tree like branch thingies and just the rock piles. To me, that's witchy stuff as opposed to yeah. But scary, I'm saying ghostly like, stuff. okay, that's there's a pile of rocks, just like there's a powder that's moved. It's the same type of scare. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, it's not like you like the like you you see the witch or anything. 
Yeah, I don't know. Just you're not, you're not scared that a witch put rocks there. You're scared that there's rocks there. You get what I'm saying? They're like it, it doesn't really matter what put them there. It's scary that they are there. Just in my head, the thought of an actual witch is scary putting them there. Like I visualize if that's a real you thing. You visualize a and... witch like bending over like putting their rocks there. not not really just i don't know just the idea that some person's out in the woods with them that's... exactly person something is out in the woods with them that's my argument is i'm just saying that it's the same type of thing it doesn't like you could have replaced the blair witch with a demon in the woods or the jersey devil or something it probably would have been just as effective maybe not exactly the same effective but i'm saying like the witch to me has never been the reason that the Blair Witch is scary. It helps, but I think that just in general, the way that it's done is what makes it scary. Personally. I feel. Um, so, uh, that's it for you? Yeah. Alright. Uh, I didn't have, like, really anything this week. Uh, I watched, I started, I mentioned I started a couple movies. I started The Bunker. Which I was like in, I don't know, after I watched 1917 um, a couple weeks ago, I just was in the mood to watch like war horror movies and I started compiling a little list and I realized I had one in my collection that I had never seen. I'll try to get to it this week so we could talk about it next week. But um, I watched like the first like 15 minutes before I fell asleep and one thing I noticed was it was, um, it seemed to take place on the German side of things. But they were fighting Germans. So I was like, really, I don't know if it's just low budget and they only had German costumes, but I'm, I'm pretty astute with, you know, the differences in world war two of like the factions that were fighting. And I, I know German weaponry when I see it, you know, I see, I see the, you know, the MG 42 and the storm 44. And I'm just like, yeah, those are all German weapons and the MP40. <laughs> um, so that was kind of weird, I guess. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so, uh, but I will, I will look back, look at that more because it seemed pretty cool. Um, and then the only other thing that I watched the entire week was I watched the eyes of my mother. Have you ever seen that? No. It was a film that came out in 2016. Uh, it actually made it at Moods' number five spot in our top ten list. It's a black and white film. Uh, I thought that I had seen it, but I think I was thinking of another film. And I actually wished that I would have seen it because I probably it probably would have made my top ten. It's actually a Patreon pick for 22 Shots, so I won't go into it too much. The reason I'm talking about it now is because I did have it on Blu-ray, and it is a film that I had sealed. Um, but it basically follows um, a young girl who lives with her parents and um, the mother is attacked by a door-to-door salesman. The father kills the door, the, the, or the, the mother dies. They, the father um, basically captures the door-to-door salesman, tear out his eyes and his vocal cords. They keep him out in the barn and the girl basically like treats him like a friend. Flash forward years later, the father dies and she is like very distraught by it. She tries to make some new friends. Very just weird, bizarre, creepy, messed up movie. Um, on the back, it says stunning, sick as bleep. This is what curdled Americana looks like. 
from Rolling Stone. That's a pretty good quote, honestly. Um, but yeah, very good movie. Very, very good movie. I'm like 8.5 or 9 on that one. Very good. Cool. So that's it. Yeah. So now I guess we can get on to our main event. Uh, yeah. So um, I believe we are talking about Gretel and Hansel, not Hansel and Gretel. But you actually have a little bit of information on the tale and some adaptations. Yes. Um, so I tried, you know, kind of like I did with last week's episode where I watched The Innocents as it was based on the same story that The Turning was based on. I figured, why not try that out and kind of make it like a little theme that I do on any episode that I can where you kind of have this. And this, you know, just happened to be coincidental that this movie is also based on um, an underlying old uh, story. But um, so... I was going to watch a bunch of Hansel and Gretel films, but I quickly realized there is a lot of Hansel and Gretel films, both both horror and non-horror, honestly. Um, it's a pretty, you know, creepy fairy tale to begin with, but there are, of course, the regular adaptations and then a few horror ones that we have gotten, which I have seen a few of the horror ones, too, to be exact, uh, before, just not recently. So I did watch... Um, two from one was from 1954 and one was from 1987 but i'll get into that in a minute um you know to get into just some information on the actual fairy tale itself um it's got an alternative title that i thought was kind of weird of little brother and little sister um that's a very odd title to me because wouldn't it be just big brother and little sister but uh that was one of the things that i had found and um this is Written by Brothers Grimm in 1812, who were basically these two guys, uh, Jacob Carl and Wilhelm Carl, who uh, were Germans that published folklore in the 19th century. They, um, you know, also did the classics such as Rapunzel, Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, and of course, you know, Hansel and Gretel and a few other well-known ones as well. And um, I believe they would like, you know, just to get the stories from other people and then published them obviously into uh, these books, which I think one came out in 1812. And then there was another one in 1815 of just these different little short stories. Um, but I believe it said that this story had come from a friend of Wilhelm who later on became his wife. Uh, she told the story and that's how they got the idea to record and publish it. So that's pretty cool. Um, there's different variations of the story. There is, uh, of course, the, I would say, probably more well-known one where it's uh, Hansel and Gretel. They live with their mom and dad, and, um, you know, they are struggling. The dad is a woodcutter, and, of course, the mom's just kind of a stay-at-home mom, and uh, the kids are sent off into the woods to kind of fend for themselves, and they happen upon the witch, and... Um, you know, kind of goes from there. They end up killing the witch and live happily ever after. But there's another version where uh, it's actually the dad and their stepmother. And this one seemed quite a bit darker. Um, the 
stepmother is the one who's all for throwing the kids out into the woods to fend for themselves because they're so poor. And the dad is actually against it, but he ends up taking them out to the woods and uh, they find their way back using a trail of pebbles that Hansel had laid. And then they are later brought back into the woods. And this time Hansel had used the trail of breadcrumbs, which everyone kind of knows that version of the story a little bit with the trail of breadcrumbs. And this time, though, of course, birds eat up the crumbs and they are lost in the woods. And then, you know, the stuff with the witch happens. Then by the end, they go home and learn that the stepmother had actually passed away and the dad was suffering from depression, losing the kids. So, uh, again, it's kind of a happy ending because they find their way home. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I never really realized there was two um, different versions of the story, one being a little bit more depressing, even though it's a pretty de- depressing story to begin with. But um, And this story, uh, lastly, is pretty much originated from the 1300s, they believe, because uh, back then, apparently, that's when the Great Famine took place, and this type of stuff actually happened where parents would decide, let's just leave our kids to go out on their own and try to fend for themselves and find their own food and live their own life when they were very young kids because they were just so desperate and didn't have enough food or money or anything to support the family. So, uh... That's kind of the, you know, stuff that I dug up on the original story. Um, I've always kind of dug the story because it is uh, pretty dark and depressing in a way. So, yeah. Um, do you know much about Hansel and Gretel? Um, no. I mean, I know some of the grim fairy tales. Like, the, like I know, like, some of the versions were much darker than the stuff we got with like Disney and things like that. So it makes sense that they would make horror films out of these, Mm -hmm. um, Hansel and Gretel. I mean, I know that it's about, uh, a kid and his sister or vice versa. that happen upon a witch's house. That's made out of like gingerbread and they're starving. So they like eat it. And the witch is trying to fatten them up so she could cook them. Yeah. Yeah. That is the gist. Um, it's one that I grew up reading from time to time, so um, I've always dug it, and that's why I was pretty excited for this Gretel and Hansel film. Um, the two horror versions I'd seen before that I mentioned were actually Hansel and Gretel Get Baked. I don't remember a whole lot about it, but I do remember liking it. It's got a dumb-sounding title, but it was actually played pretty seriously, from what I recall, and uh, had a cool aesthetic to it, but don't remember it a whole lot. The other one was actually... Um, Whoever slew Auntie Rue, which is kind of a loose, in a way, adaptation. I don't know if you would call it adaptation, because it's a similar storyline where a boy and his uh, sister, they're uh, actually orphans, and they go to this lady they call Auntie Rue's house for Christmas, because some special kids get to go over there every year. They get selected to go, and she gets them all these presents and has a nice dinner for them, and then they go back to the orphanage, but... Uh, this woman's kind of lonely, and she ends up kidnapping the little sister, and then the boy ends up back there. I forget how, but uh, he ends up back there, and, of course, uh, it kind of plays out in a way like Hansel and Gretel does with uh, this Auntie Rue character. And the whole movie, the boy is actually narrating Hansel and Gretel. So I watched that one, oddly enough, uh, because I thought it was a 72 movie, and I was on the 22 Shots 72 show and I was completely wrong that was a 71 movie so I was kind of mad but I liked the movie anyway but the ones I watched 
for the show were two non-horror versions, actually, because I was just trying to find uh, some original uh, adaptations, as I suspected this new one was going to be kind of more true to the original story, which we'll get into that later, but... Um, I decided to watch one from 1954, which there are three movies called Hansel and Gretel that came out in 1954. There's an American version that's uh, kind of done with the uh, puppetry, whatever you call that, it, puppet style thing. And uh, th- that one I just wasn't too interested in. But then there's uh, two German versions. And I'm not going to lie, I forget which one I watched, like who the director was, but it was the shorter one and it was only 55 minutes long. So it wasn't even an hour long movie. Um, but you know, it's a basic story. Hansel and Gretel, they live at home with their parents. They kind of live in this like sort of cottage in the middle of the woods. Their dad is a wood chopper and, uh, they're struggling. There's actually a landlord in this movie who keeps showing up to the house and saying like, you know, you haven't paid the rent in so long. You're going to be out by, tomorrow and blah 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 and kind of um you know so the parents are upset and discussing it so the kids overhear it and uh they are told this story early on by their father about how there's um gold out in the woods but it's just kind of a made-up story of course and uh you know uh Hansel's like we should actually go out and try to find the gold so that mom and dad will be rich so um they sit out of course into the woods and uh they leave a trail of pebbles in this one um, and they happen upon the witch's house and of course they're eating it and it kind of plays out like that. Uh, the movie is, like I said, it's pretty short. It gets to the point. It's a very basic uh, rundown of the story with uh, some differences to it than the original story, but I dug it. What I watched it on not the best quality. And of course it was German. So it was dubbed. The dubbing was actually pretty good though. It, you know, fit the characters well. So no complaints with that. Um, Overall, I thought it was decent. Like I said, a very uh, sort of, not watered down, but a to-the-point story. There's not a whole lot going on in it. It just gets right into it, which I enjoyed. Uh, the witch was pretty creepy. The house looked decent, and um, I dug it. The acting was good. So um, I gave that one an 8 out of 10. Then the uh, other one I had watched was the 1987 film. I have a feeling this one's probably the most... Uh, notable one when it comes to just normal adaptations of the work and uh, one of those ones that probably a lot of kids watched growing up but you know this one's got pretty much the same story going on same basic story uh but you do get more at the beginning um you know the kids are kind of their mom in this one is a little more feels a little more like the stepmother type of character like i mentioned earlier where she's a real mother but she's uh more annoyed by the kids she's just frustrated with their situation she's mad at her husband because he's kind of a pushover like he'll chop wood and there's a scene where he takes it into town and uh the baker that he sells it to shorts him by a lot of money and then he goes home and his wife is just very upset with him and they're all having dinner and um she gets upset with the kids and says like a horrible comment like go to bed children and hopefully you'll never wake up again because their life is just such a mess. So um, it's definitely more darker in those aspects. And then uh, the kids, you kind of just want to punch in the face at times. You you can kind of understand how they are annoying, especially what they end up doing. Um, 
they pretty much do something that really angers their mom. So the mom sends them out into the woods to get a bunch of berries and says, do not you dare return to this house until you get enough berries to feed us for dinner. And if you can't find enough, just don't ever come bother coming back. So, you know, they go out and this time they do leave the trail breadcrumbs and it's, you know, that thing where the birds end up eating up all the breadcrumbs and then they get lost in the woods. Um, uh, and they find the gingerbread house. The witch in this one is actually terrifying. I really liked the look of her in this one, played by, uh, what's her name? Cloris. Uh, she's actually a pretty popular actress. She's still alive today. Um, it's Cloris something. I forget her last name. But um, she was great as the witch. Uh, very scary, both as when she's dressed up kind of like the grandma type of innocent old lady look and when she looks like the witch. So this one was a lot... Uh, scarier in a way darker um i dug this one uh quite a bit more than the other one because it was it had more going on to it more story behind it and um felt a little bit more like a true adaptation so gave that one an 8.5 out of 10 and then that is where my uh hansel and gretel watching kind of came to an end because i pretty much just gave up i wanted to watch a bunch but i just didn't all right that's quite the journey i guess um i think that fairy tales are great fodder for horror movies especially if you're going to do them pg-13 um and you know there have been a bunch you know what i mean that have come out over the years um i actually haven't seen a lot of them um but stuff that i think of when i think of like fairy tales i think of like leprechaun because it's kind of a fair it's like more of a mythological creature but like you hear fairy tales of leprechauns mm-hmm. um stiltskin uh was directed by the guy who made leprechaun and that movie's not good came out in 1995 i believe um, it's actually pretty rare. Um, if you ever see a DVD copy of the old artisan, I believe, uh, pick it up because it is heavily out of print. It's only had that one DVD release. Um, I used to rent it on VHS as a kid It's actually known as a movie that I would rent, expect to be like good. And then it sucked and I would continue to rent it expecting something different. I also did that with the movie children of the living dead. Never. I've never seen either. Um, and then you have 1996's Pinocchio's Revenge. That is um, a, I want to say, Jim Wynorski film, I think. I can't remember. But that one's pretty good. Um, it's not bad. Uh, 97, with Sigourney Weaver, you have Snow White, A Tale of Terror. Um, that one I own, but I haven't seen. Yeah, me too. Of course, Jack Frost, if you count that as a fairy tale. Um 2006's um, Asian film, Cinderella, which I've never seen, but I own. It's a Korean horror film. Yeah, there was a Korean version of Hansel and Gretel I wanted to check out. I still might check it out because it sounds... I mean, it's Korean. It just sounds like it would be pretty good. Uh, Kind of the tooth fairy you might throw in there. Um, There's many adaptations of Little Red Riding Hood, including like The Company of Wolves, Red Riding Hood... um, there's a few other ones. Uh, but yeah, there, there's a handful. I, I like the concept. I wish they would do more. Yeah, me too. All right, so let's uh, get into it here. We have Gretel and Hansel from the year 2020, directed by Oz Good Perkins. 
uh, the director of one of my favorite films of the last decade, The Black Coat's Daughter, a.k.a. February, as well as I Am the Pretty Little Thing That Lives in the House, which was also good. Not as good, though. Yeah, I've only seen, but I, I did not get around to watching Pretty Little Thing That Lives in the House. I would like to check that one out, though, but Black Coat's Daughter, that's a pretty good one. Yeah, so why don't you give us a synopsis of this, John? John, um, okay. When their mother descends into madness, siblings Gretel and Hansel must fend for themselves in the dark and unforgiving woods. Hungry and scared, they fortuitously stumble upon a bounty of food left outside an isolated home. Invited inside by the seemingly friendly owner, the children soon suspect that her generous but mysterious behavior is part of a sinister plan to do them harm. Okay, so the first thing I will say is this film is getting a lot of good reviews from the community. Yes. Um, and I'm just going to come out and say it. I did not think it was that good. I do think it's a good movie, but I don't think it's as good as everybody else is saying. I don't put it up to that quality. Um, to start, I, I loved a lot of things about this movie. I was into it from the moment it started. I thought that it was going to be awesome. And I was still along for that ride through, I want to say 60% of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but then around the final act, maybe a little bit before it started losing me a little bit. And I was like, I really don't like where this went. Yeah, I uh, sadly pretty much completely agree with you. Um, You know, I thought the aesthetic of the film and uh, the way it shot, I just thought was fantastic from the beginning. Um, Had that slow burn feel to it. Very, very creepy when they're kind of just these kids wandering in the woods and they're starving. And I was super, super into it. Uh, It was exactly what I was hoping it would be and shaping up to be. And then just when you kind of get into what is really going on here, when they sort of meet the witch and then you get into all that, I was pretty much just really not with how the story was going. Um, I I was honestly pretty disappointed. (laughs) Yeah, man. I I think that like the beginning of the film is so interesting because it's set in sort of this, um, you know, very, very poor times. um, And you like, it, it sets the characters up. Well, like you get the sense that like these kids have nothing but each other um, they're starving. They have no food. Um, very sad. The family is pretty much non-existent. Um, and you know that it sets up the characters for being these tragic, um, stories, story that, you know, you, you want them to get out. Mm -hmm. Um, and then they, you know, happen upon the woods. Um, I thought that it was interesting that, um, there's a scene where they eat the mushrooms in the woods, which, by mm-hmm. the way, I, what did I t- lean over to you and say? Um, um, uh, Come on. Uh, it's a mushroom scene. The mushroom scene. Shh, don't tell me. Uh, I don't remember. Do you not remember anything that happens ever? Do you remember, like, what I said this entire podcast? Because I bet you don't remember a single event that Dude, went on. I said the mushrooms look like what? Oh, the Mario ones? Yes. Yeah. Okay, um, dude. Well, you could have gave me a hint. The director actually came out like Osgood came out and said, 
that that scene was inspired by Super Mario Brothers. So I was like, <laughs> I hit the nail on the head with that one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, that happens early on in the film. They pretty much trip out eating mushrooms. And when they did that in the film, I was like, you could pretty much explain the rest of this movie from that scene. And you could say like that they either died or they, you know, were hallucinating the entire time. Yeah. That is a valid, valid point. But I don't, just so everybody's aware, I don't think that's what's happening. But I just thought, yeah. like, while watching it, I thought, oh, they could totally, this could be a theory, like a film theory. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um. So uh, they get to this house and the witch is so well done. Yeah, she, you know, she doesn't look ridiculous. She's not like this big nose, like... I'm obviously a witch type of woman, but she's just kind of decked out all in black and her fingers are all blackened. And it's just uh, very, very creepy. And the way she talks, is just like this very slow, like elderly woman type of tone. That's just very sinister. And um, I agree. I really, I think she was very well done. The look of the house is also, uh, really well done just the the interior is very creepy there's obviously no lights because of the time they're living in so it's all like candle lit and just very dark and um i really really dug it yeah and i like the bountiful amount of food that they have it's like a whole thing washed out and there's some scary Mm -hmm. moments like when the kids first goes into the house it's very scary when like you're seeing like good lighting and like there's a shadow of something or someone moving it's the witch and it's just it's very good and then like it's creepy like you know this sinister lady is up to something it all plays so well it really does there's some dream sequences with great 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 cinematography and great um lighting like the lighting is top notch definitely the best lighting we've seen this year so far um mm-hmm. and all that is so good and then the story, I just feel it's like it's half baked. It does not work. It just kind of loses its scare factor for me with that storyline, too. It just wasn't like I said, I kind of wanted that true adaptation of the original contents and have it be just a full blown horror movie because, you know, the actual story itself is pretty terrifying uh, and even the movies I watched that were just the family friendly ones were had their scary moments too. So um, I was just really disappointed with the story. Like I said, I think it took away the scare factor. And um, I know you kind of have like a problem with which I do too, is that you kind of get this like white room where all this stuff starts to kind of go down and it's just not. Yeah, there's basically a layer um, for the witch, um, which is, is not a spoiler. Like that's something that you would probably expect and it's not any, it doesn't give away anything. Um, and I just thought that it was weak. I was like, mm-hmm. this, this is just a weak setting. Like do a, a creepy basement or something. This is just, it's just, it's just kind of lame. Honestly, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't add any type of, I was getting, you know what I was thinking of is like the remake of Suspiria for some reason. That's the vibe I was <laughs> getting from that. I don't know why maybe that, cause that has to do with witches too, but, mm. um, it's just like a big room and it's just like, I, I like the, brief mythology we get with like where the food's coming from and stuff like that. But I like, and even the way that scene was shot, I'm going to just go out and say this. It was shot bad. Like the way that the, where the character is in that scene 
and versus where the witch is, there's no way that she wouldn't have saw her. Yeah. And yeah, I was I, thinking that while watching it. I was like, that is poorly done. Very poorly edited. Um, yeah, I was then, very confused by it. I thought, is she supposed to like actually know she's sitting there and she wants her to see it? Like, I, no, I know. Yeah, you definitely I, get that vibe. And I'm like, yeah, no, that, that girl's supposed to be hidden right now. And also, like, I don't like the climax of this film. I thought it was super bad. Like, mm-hmm. it just doesn't make sense. It's like, okay, so th- this like this witch has been witching for so long and this like this happened like it just didn't make sense and i didn't like the whole witch in training thing i was just like this is very basic writing this is like what you would if you were trying to do like if you wanted to do a hansel and gretel but you wanted to do it slight you didn't want to follow the exact story this is the first draft of what you would come up with and then you'd be like no that's not good enough and you'd toss it out um that's that's what I got from this. I, I just didn't think that it was very smart. Um, and I thought that uh, there were some other problems I had. There's like a scene early on where there's like a vampire or something. I, it was like kind of out of place. It felt a little bit weird. Um, it it would have fit if the rest of the world had continued to feel like that. But it just mm-hmm. it almost felt like just a random scare. It, yeah, much. just like it was a random occurrence. It's just kind of weird. Yeah, um, you could have basically made that just a hungry person, and it would have been probably played better. Mm. Um, and then there's, um, you know, the motivation of the actual witch is completely left unventured. Um, like they didn't explore it at all. What is the witch doing? What does it the witch want to do? Where what like what is the end goal for the witch? Yeah. Completely yeah. unexplained or explored. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just feels incomplete. I could see they could have made it good, but they could have made that story work, I guess. But um, they just didn't. It just felt like it had some holes in it. And then and, there's um, also the fact that there's like this like behind the scenes story that you learn mm-hmm. about this little girl. Um, and they tie that into the film later and I didn't really even understand what they were trying to say with it. Um, I got what they were saying, but I don't get the significance of it. Like it felt like it should have mattered more, but it didn't. Yeah. Um, and then the, the, I know that what, what bothered you about the lead? Yeah. So the main girl, you know, Sophia Lillis, I believe her name is, um, I will, for, I think she's fantastic. I think um, she has some of the best facial expressions when it comes to being just uncomfortable and disturbed by things. Obviously, she's from It as well, and she was great in that. So um, no knock really on her acting, but I think I, – I don't know if it was just this part she wasn't used to it, but – She's talking like, you know, they talked in old times, but she just is talking in her regular speech. There's no accent or anything to her voice. But everybody else in the film has an accent. Yeah, like the little boy actually does a way better job than her. And it was just bothering me because it's just like she's like, so whom do I speak to the she's just talking like I would be presenting lines from the 1800s to somebody, but not trying to make myself sound like from that time she just sounds like she's from you know 
this time period and she's trying to sound like she's from that time period, which was just kind of distracting for me. Um, like I said, the little boy I thought was actually pretty good. He did put some accent in his voice. And of course well, yeah, the witch his was... Accent was good. Her accent was good, but like mm-hmm. the girl, I don't think she was trying to do an accent. I think she was just speaking the lines in her regular talk. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, um, I don't know. But I just, there's certain things about this movie that I loved. Like I really truly did love the setup. I loved I And I, I think that's where it really fails for me is I was expecting something cooler or something better than what we ended up getting after the cool setup. Like, it's just like, Oh, this is, we just went this basic. Like this is, this is how basic we went with this cool setup. Like, Oh, like you might say that the original Hansel and Gretel story is pretty basic, but I would argue that where this went is even more basic. It's just simple and and boring. The original story is just more dark. That's what that's my main problem with this movie is it seems like it's going to be super dark and eerie. And it even and... starts that way. It starts yeah. dark, it continues dark, and then it just gets like bland. And I'm like, and it ends very not dark too. Yeah. And very, I I'm still shocked that that was the ending. Like yeah. I was like, wait, that's it? That's what happened? That's weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, listen, I'm disappointed. But I got to tell it like like it is, man. I think that people were blinded by the visuals mm-hmm. and they, they really like maybe they weren't expecting as much. I think I was expecting a lot out of this film because it's Osgood and I, I think that he's a great director and stuff. And I think that the directing was fantastic in the movie. The The writing just wasn't there. Yeah, I'm very disappointed with it, mainly because it started out great and uh i went into it thinking it was going to be great as well i remember seeing the trailer back last year whenever the trailer first started coming on i thought wow that looks super super dark and super good and uh it started out exactly what i was expecting i was super excited for it and then it just really just dropped off for me and i almost wish if this is one of those films where i wish he would go back and just remake it and make a new version that i want and put it out Mm-hmm. So it's like extra disappointing in a way for that. That being said, out of the four movies that came out this month, The Grudge, Underwater, The Turning, and this movie, this is definitely the best of the four for me. Yeah, easily. Um, this is the only one. Actually, no, I gave I gave Underwater over a five. <laughs> um, but this one, I'm actually coming in the highest. And I, I do think it's a good movie. Don't get me wrong. It's a good movie. I just think that it could have been a great movie um and or even a very good movie because it's not very good it's just good mm. um and for me this year like i'm i'm i want things to be you know very good and above like that's what i'm aiming for so uh i just came in at a seven for this one if that's not a bad rating it's a good movie i just don't think it's not what i'm looking for this year i just to me it's like another disappointing watch even though it's it's technically good. Yeah, um, I gave it a little bit higher. higher. I gave it a 7.5, which I, I find I'm becoming a 7.5 type of girl lately. That seems like it's been my go-to rating for a lot of films that I find aren't super great but aren't super bad either. That's like my version of average almost. But, um, you know, it's definitely above average. Um, it's good movie. Visuals are fantastic. Uh, acting is pretty good besides that whole accent issue that i had um just 
the story, I just really wish they would go back and reevaluate the story and put out a new film. That's literally what I want so bad. But I know, obviously, that's not realistic. Yeah. All right. So next week we have, uh, of course, our recap of My Bloody Valentine and a review um, of that film from the theatrical screening that we're going to. Uh, our main event film is actually a film that won't be released by the time we actually re- uh, review it, um, but it'll come out the same week. And that is Jeremy Gardner's, um, I guess you don't say junior effort, huh? It's like freshman, sophomore, and then you just stop. <laughs> but this yes. is his third film, uh, and it is called After Midnight. Um, I think this film is uh, romance horror, or at least it has something to do with that. So it fits with the Valentine's Day theme, which I think is cool. It might be like some sort of love story type thing. I could be completely wrong. But uh, Jeremy Gardner, of course, from The Battery and um, Tex Montana, um, which I'm actually going to watch for next week, hopefully, um, because I never actually watched his follow-up film. It's not a horror film, but I wanted to see it. Um, and yeah, so we'll be covering that. And then the week after that will be fantasy Island and our Valentine's day recap. So, uh, that's the next two episodes here, episode number six and seven. Uh, and we will continue rolling along. You have any final thoughts or words? I do not hope everyone has a happy February, I guess. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Peace out. Peace.